You're listening to the Movie Crew Podcast. And tonight we're going to find out if the Wolfman really does have nards as we take a look back at 1987's The Monster Squad. You have no trouble. Me, Fifth Element. You will be a weapon. You will be a minister of death praying for war. But until that day, you are cute. Sound off like you got a pair. I'm Brian. With me tonight, Mr. Paul Williams. How's it going, man? Ready to talk about some Monster Squad? I am. I am ready to talk about this uh, this film. But you know, I'll be honest. It, it's going to be hard to actually give like a, a real opinion of, of this film. This is kind of a childhood favorite, man. I got a lot of nostalgic love for this movie. Yeah, I do too as well. I, I didn't quite see it nowhere near as as young as you did, but. Just the fact that, you know, a bunch of kids, like, roughly around your age at the time of seeing this movie, are out hunting monsters. You know, you saw the ads, you saw the the poster, it was br- bringing together all the universal monsters in one movie, or the kids were fighting them, and that, that was exciting. My, my dad took me to this when, when it came out. I, yeah, like I just said, though, you, you happen to see this movie quite a bit, about a seven-year age different from when I saw it. You did see the Universal movies, the Universal monster films like Dracula and Frankenstein. Oh, yeah, yeah. Black Dude, I, you saw those when you yeah, were a kid. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I remember watching those like with the family and, and everything else on, on Halloween and all around Halloween. You know, Creature from the Black Lagoon, The Mummy, Frankenstein, Dracula, The Invisible Man. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, man. Like, how did these guys not get sued? Like, I know Universal... You know, that, that, was, that was a big question that I had. Yeah, like, know, Universal like, passed on it. I, I was always kind of curious to know why exactly Universal decided to pass on this movie. I don't know. They, they This was not a box office hit, so, I don't know, maybe maybe they saw no, something that... No, it wasn't a box office hit at all. No, it wasn't. But at the same time, it was totally relevant to Universal's catalog. No, yeah, of, you would, of the classic horror movies. I know, I agree. You would think they would want to keep their brand alive. Yeah, I mean, maybe they just didn't like, you know, the fact of you're putting a bunch of prepubescent children up against these monsters that are supposed to be scary as hell. I just can't believe they let TriStar get away with this. According to what was said, there were alterations done, and I mean, like, you could you know, say you that. hear this. <laughs> You hear this, that, that, that they were made differently, you know, from the originals. But then you also hear in the behind-the-scenes featurette that the same ring that Dracula has on is the same ring that Bela Lugosi wore in Dracula. They said the whole reason that they wanted to work on the movie in the first place was because, like, oh, yeah, we get to reimagine the Universal monster movies. And then it's like, oh, well, we didn't get the rights, so... We're going to reimagine them, but make them look different at the same time. And, you know, I can I can kind of get behind it. Like, Dracula, he's got some Christopher Lee touches. Like, uh, the inside of his cape is red, like in Horror of Dracula. There's little touches here and there. But, like, Creature from the Black Lagoon, the Gill Man, come on. How are you going to redesign I don't that? I it's like, it's like I, I don't know. I feel like they kind of took the Gill Man and, and really mixed him with um, the Predator. Ooh, I can kind of see that. Yeah, I see it. Uh, yeah, 
I you see know, exactly if, what you're if, saying. If there. Joe Man and Predator, you know, kind of like went out onto a date and you know, kind of went. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Yeah, we afterwards. we we don't need a picture here of this monstrosity <laughs> amphibious whatever love making that's gonna happen. No, no, we'll just cut this right. You now. know, you you would totally have the Gill Man from Monster Squad. He's also the most underplayed uh, horror character in the movie, too. By the way, which kind of disappoints me a little. Yeah, he gets three scenes in the movie, and that's it. His first scene, it's like, at the end of it, it, it ends with him doing some weird fish fish mouth. Like, he looks like a goldfish, like, opening his mouth up, and it just looks or like... Or piranha. Or, you know what it, it looks like? It looks like those, uh, the alien Muppets from uh, Sesame Street. The yeah, ones that are going around like going, like, yap, 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 you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what he does look like. I mean, some of them, like, the Wolfman... The werewolf in here, it does look different. You know, it doesn't look like the Lon Chaney one. Thank goodness. I'm not gonna lie, dude. Like, I, I really think that the the werewolf in this movie look pretty pretty damn decent. Yeah, no, it you know it, it, it looks all right. It's okay. I mean, there's there's better werewolves, but I mean, you know, I mean, the, the audience that this is aimed at, you can only make it, but so scary. Like, you make it too scary, and all the little kids are gonna you know wee themselves. Yeah, you're gonna run your audience away. Yeah, you don't want to scare the little kid. You don't want to scare little kids going to see it. Like, let me also feel my like five year old movie... self going to see it couldn't handle like American Werewolf in London at that age. Like that, that's too much. <laughs> like that yeah. would that'd be terrifying at five. Like I don't want to see that. It it looks a little campy, but I forgive it for the age range that they're going. Through. I don't really kind of understand how this movie actually ended up with a a PG thirteen rating. Somebody grease somebody's palms a little bit at the MPAA to get this movie a PG thirteen. Yeah, it's uh, it's got some gore, it's got some language, it's got some kids uh, talking about uh, virgins and uh, kids smoking. And when I say kids, I'm ki- yeah. at least how old is Rudy in this film? Four, like fourteen. Fourteen? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, fourteen year old smoking. You would never see that today. Never. The only thing this movie is is lacking is is. Drug use and downright nudity. It's, pro- it's probably for the best, though, you know, because the I main mean, characters you know, some are people, kids. Some people, yeah, well, some people theorize, theorize that uh, all the all the parents were on on cocaine in this movie. You know, it kind of makes sense. All the all the parents for all the, uh, the the characters in the film, they're all off at parties, you know, doing doing lines and everywhere. And Sean's dad is the cop, and he's like running around arresting them all and that's why the the mom is having such like such a meltdown in the film she's like oh you just keep arresting our friends i don't have anybody else left to talk to <laughs> you know i never thought about it like that but like maybe i should save this for later on in the podcast but the mom's kind of a bitch what no i disagree i don't think she's a bitch and i think i kind of think she does come across as a bitch to her husband I mean, he does kind of make a point. It's like, hey, woman, this is the job that I took. You knew when you married me, I was a police officer. Yeah, but it, that's not fair because you have no idea really what this woman's been through. You have no idea what the dude's been through. That, but, yeah. It doesn't really go very in-depth with the parents either. I, no, dude, there's no character development at all in this film. It's just you're shown things that are cool, and it's it's a cool, fun, like, action comedy. That that's happens to have the balls to the wall. Yeah, it's got the Universal Monsters in it. That's what it is. We're going to take Goonies, put monsters in it, and really push Goonies to the edge. I mean, come on, dude. Like, no kid in Goonies actually kills kills anyone. Yeah, well, dude, not... Rudy in this movie straight up straight up murders people. But, I mean, that dude's the, a killer. Look at the pacing of this film, though, man. You're, you're comparing it to Goonies. Like, this movie is so quick. It's like... Dude, like even, it's it an hour even, and 22 minutes. Out. And the the, the the credits are like five minutes long, so it's like you got a seventy some minute film there of actual movie that you're watching. I mean, like Goonies has got some length to it. You have some characters in here, like yeah, yeah. And you're talking about Rudy killing people, like yeah, he can get away with that just because he's like a stereotypical awesome cool kid. Just because he's older, he's like magically cool. He's the Ash of of Monster Squad. There's no way a 14-year-old should be able to kill, like, two vampires and a werewolf in one night. Hey, man. Fat kid, though. Fat kid does. He, he comes to the plate. Okay, I guess I guess we should say that um, this the film was directed by uh, Fred Deckard. Guy Who direct- also directed uh, Night of the Creeps. Yeah. 
Robo- and RoboCop 3. <laughs> yes, and RoboCop 3. The movie where RoboCop yeah. fights ninjas. Yep. It is the worst one. You really have to see it, though, to get an idea of how bad that movie is. But, you know, okay, Fred Decker gets a lot. He, man, he gets a lot of shit. I felt bad for him watching the behind the scenes. Yeah, I felt I felt bad for the guy because he was like, you know, I did Monster uh, Night of the Creeps, and then I come out and I did Monster Squad, and it ruined my career. But then he says, uh, what, what does he say? Like RoboCop three came out and then killed my career again, or I don't know something yeah. to that effect. But it, it made me feel bad though because he does say like right before that he does say like this is my best film. Yeah, he does. He and, does, and it killed his career. And it does kind of suck that he didn't get a chance. I mean, come on, man, like. All these filmmakers that have opportunities to make films like three, five, six times, we give them plenty of chances. Fred Decker, we can't give him another chance. Like he made me Monster Squad: Night of the Creeps. Like we can't give this guy a little bit of money here to make another movie. Are things that bad here? In, in credit though, he did make a movie that had young kids using derogatory terms for homosexual people. No, yeah, that. Yeah, that 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 doesn't that is not aged well at all. <laughs> that that is very and, cringeworthy. And, and he had a kid straight up smoking cigarettes. And this movie almost has like a like a weird slasher element where it's like the parents are completely oblivious to what's going on. Oh yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying there. You know, now that you bring up the slashers, though, like in the era of slashers during the '80s, I do I do like how this movie is is staged, how it's shot. And Fred Deckard on the behind the scenes, he was talking about Peter Himes, who is a, a great director in his own, own right and a, an amazing cinematographer as well. Uh, he did he did the sequel to two thousand one, two thousand ten, and man, he's he's done so much crap, Outland, and all all these amazing movies. But he was the executive producer, and he'd come in on set and sometimes would tell him to like you know you know get get a get a wide shot and get this, and you know Fred Deckard thought that sometimes maybe he was doing things a little sterile, but I kind of like that old school. I like that old school aesthetic a little bit, man. Where it's like, yeah. here we are with wide shot. Here we are going in for uh, an actor's close up, and here's the other close up, and we're just getting really basic coverage. I don't know. I mean, like it, the film still has enough style well, I mean, to it, enough they, dolly shots that I think you know it. It it is modern, but yeah, in the era and, of the slasher, I like thing, that. It does kind of take from the Hammer film too. No, that's true. That's true. Yeah, it's like, not just yeah, Universal. That, that's very like, true. The whole Dracula shot, like that's that's straight hammer right there, dude. Yeah, I mean, I even feel like Frankenstein's makeup is a little. It's a little bit of the Borlas Karloff Universal Frankenstein, and a little bit of Christopher Lee's Curse of Frankenstein from Hammer. Like it's those two makeups yeah. kind of merged together. You know what I mean? Because it, it feels like it's got the color of the of the Christopher Lee makeup. Not that Christopher Lee. It, yeah, Christopher it Lee does. was the actor. It really does. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's 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 a nice combination. So I see I see what you mean there, and that's a very good point. Like it is the I guess it's the universal lineup, but I guess the first person, the first studio to take that and like kind of re envision that lineup was Hammer. So it makes sense that they would be getting some influence there as well. Yeah, no, uh, Shane Black wrote the script for this or co wrote it. That's what the um the credits say. But I was if you watch the behind the scenes documentary on the uh, DVD or Blu Ray. Frank Deckard mentions that Shane Black actually wrote the first draft himself. And then he yeah. came on and, and really just kind of scaled things down because Shane Black apparently had this movie like even more over the top and insane than it was. Oh yeah. It had like freaking Zeppelins, you know, riding in and Helsing was on freaking Zeppelins and stuff. Yeah, that that sounds kind of cool, man. But I, dude, I love fucking Shane Black. You know, he was he was the highest paid screenwriter at one point in Hollywood. Man, yeah, yeah the man that lo- uh, he, well, he wrote all those buddy cop movies like Lethal Weapon, The Last Boy Scout. It was really, really yeah, last huge, boy, yeah. hugely famous in the in the early nineties. I mean, he was your go to mm-hmm. dialogue guy. I do think it's cool that uh, Shane Black is bringing um, Fred Deckard to co write the Predator. That's coming out. Uh, I think this is it coming out next summer. I think it's coming. Yeah, it's coming out next summer. So that should be pretty yep, cool. Summer 2018. And uh, Shane Black's actually directing that. Uh, it was kind of having a big comeback here lately because he just did like um, Iron Man three. And man, I really, really loved Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. That was that was really well done. The guy that played played Frankenstein straight up called the dude that played Dracula a prick. 
Tom Noonan. You know, you, you gotta you gotta love the honesty though. You know, so many times on behind the scenes you just hear this repetitive, oh this person's so great. Uh we were family, we bonded. Like they're just like the best, most and wonderful. As soon as people. that camera's off, I hate that prick. I can't stand him. I'll never work with him again. Yeah, Tom Noon's like, look, I don't play that game. That dude, that dude was kind of a prick, and I'm not gonna say no more than that. Yeah, but, Frankenstein yeah. straight call, straight up called Dracula a prick. Um, and when you look at it in that in that light, it makes it funnier, even funnier. Yeah, when you, when you actually think about Dracula like being called a prick by Frankenstein. That's just all kinds of funny. Yeah, you know the 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 behind the scenes are definitely like worth they're worth watching just to seeing everybody's different points of view of what the movie was is intriguing. You know, I I hear I hear Tom Noonan's a little he's he's a method actor. You know, um, I heard all those stories from Manhunter, uh, the Michael Mann film, the first adaptation of uh, of Hannibal Lecter. Film. He plays the Tom Newton plays the serial killer in that the Tooth Fairy. You always heard stories like he, you know, he, he gets real method. He really gets really into the role, and I don't know. Apparently, he was. Well, I mean, they even say on the behind the scenes, like none of the kids actually saw what he looked out looked like outside of the Frankenstein bag. Yeah. Know, well, I mean, even the guy that played Dracula, he he was kind of a bit of a method actor too because apparently he had no like interaction with the kids he didn't even talk to him speak to him or anything else like on the set the entire time yeah i th- i think maybe that's why those uh why those two had franken frankenstein and drac may have had some problems there because of that well because they were both me- method actors and they yeah. kind of see each other yeah so. maybe a little bit too in the roles you know you know, I mean, well, if you think about the movie, like you know, Dracula is kind of like bossing Frankenstein around. So, I don't know if yeah, that, if, if he started treating me like that Offset, I yeah, I would kind of resent yeah. that a little bit. But hey, your method. So, well, you know, Tom Newton didn't call Stan Winston a prick. No, but he, he did call him mean though. <laughs> but I, I think that, that was, was mean. I think that was more uh, more fun fun poking than actually being. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Maybe I was reading that the wrong way. Who knows? You watch it for yourself. No, no, you tell no, no, me. No, because I kind of got the same vibe because it was almost like I think Stan Winston knew that Tom Newton was a big method actor and he just wanted to yank his chain a little bit. And then Tom Newton started yanking the chain back and walking around the set calling their daddy. <laughs> that is that is so I weird. Would love, I would love to. I wish that was on the behind the scenes. Like, no shit. Oh, man. Like, I would love to see Tom Newton going around calling Stan Winston. Daddy. Dude, did you watch that really weird uh the interview with Frankenstein? And it's like Tom Noonan's actually in, in the makeup and it's it's an extra feature. In the makeup, on, yeah. That, that, it's an extra that feature was on the DVD. Weird. Yeah, yeah. And, but it's like he's Frankenstein and he's just playing a part. But he's 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 still an undead creature, but he's just acting in this movie. And he's gonna go do some other yeah. thespian things in his un, with his undead <laughs> self. I don't know. Yeah. But it's 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 very bizarre. It's kind of funny, but Yeah, it is funny. I don't know. It's a little too long. It it outstays its welcome. I do, I do want to say I I am glad that we well we I say the all horror fans everywhere got finally got this out on this came out on, on DVD and we, and we got a Blu-ray of it because man bef- I, mean, I forget when the DVD was it the twentieth anniversary uh, I think it was so, yeah it, it would have been two thousand seven two thousand seven yeah. yeah until that it was it was really hard to get a copy of this. Like you and if could, you did get a copy, it had to be on VHS. Yeah, you could sometimes find a VHS. I remember at like uh, conventions and everything, they would sell copies, VHS copies of Monster Squad. Like, oh yeah, man, you need to see this movie. You know, it. I mean, it's, I remember it's nice the we first time out. I saw it. Uh, first time I actually saw it, I I rented it, and I remember having to wait for a little bit before I could actually rent it. All right, guys. So we're gonna take a break. We're gonna play the trailer for the Monster Squad. And we'll be back. You know who to call when you have ghosts. But who do you call when you have monsters? We're the Monster Squad. What's a squad? It's like Miami Vice, I think. They're young and inexperienced. Naughty virgin! They're a bit disorganized. Monsters are not real. We don't know that, sir. 2,000-year-old dead guys do not get up and walk away by themselves! But when strange things start happening in town... There's a monster in my closet. Woo! 
They're the only ones ready to do battle. Something down there is killing people. And if it's monsters, nobody's gonna do a thing about it but us. That was the trailer for the Monster Squad. Uh, okay, and again, uh, guys, disclaimer: this this is a movie I, I I did love this from my childhood. This was I do have a little bit of nostalgic love for it. It's got it's got a little place here in the heart. So that being said, that being said, I do realize this film is not as good as The Lost Boys, which came out the same year, which we've already talked about on the show. But I do yes, feel like did. I, I feel like that needs to be mentioned here. And I'm glad you mentioned that because. In watching Monster Squad myself, I kind of, I kind of felt like you know Monster Squad was kind of what Lost Boys was was originally. Essentially, the original screenplay of Lost Boys was about a a group of adolescent kids who were vampires and a group of adolescent kids trying to stop said vampire. And I mean, for this movie, you have a group of adolescent kids, and you just basically swap said adolescent kids for Universal monsters. Yeah, but Lost Boys, though, you have the R rating, and you have the yeah, teenagers. Yeah, because because you know, like we said on the on the Lost Boys podcast, you know, there were changes in the script, and there were alterations made, and that inevitably made the movie what it was. Yeah, but you you have the R rating, you have the teenage characters in that. I don't know that that works in terms of a horror comedy, and you have a broad range. Yeah, but I mean, if you look back of, on it in hindsight, no, no, but you have a you have a broad range in terms of, of market and um, appeal. Whereas yeah. Monster Squad is is kind of aimed really at like kids are under the age of teenagers, really. Like that's like what when this film came out, that's its target demographic, and this film yeah. is still kind of violent, and it still has a lot of cussing, and it has things in it that you sexual innuendo. Yeah, things that you really don't want. Like, things that are not even in Gremlins. No, no. And Gremlins was kind of the movie that started the whole BG-13 rating. Yeah, it was one of them, yeah. And I mean, I still, for the life of me, I don't really understand why you would put a movie like Monster Squad as PG-13, but then you would put Lost Boys as R. Monster Squad should have been PG, and in order to be more, in order for it to have made more money, it should have been kiddied down a little bit. You know, some of the gore should have yeah. been taken out. Some of the scares removed. And I think it would have made well, more I money. But I, I think the gore is what makes the film special. I think that's, like, the gore and the, and the characters doing <laughs> these outlandish and adult things, I think that's what gives it some of its appeal. And when I watched this, even as a kid, like, the Rudy character was cool, man. I was like, yeah, that guy's awesome. Now it's kind of funny, yeah, but... I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would agree with you, but at the same time, you know... I could have taken the gore, and I think they could have let the gore in, and the actual violence in, but maybe toned down on some of the the language more. Well, going back to what I said, my original point was, was like, I don't understand how Monster Squad gets a PG-13 rating, but then Lost Boys got a R rating. No, I mean, no, I, I, mean, think, I, I think, I, I think, I, no, Lost, I think Lost Boys deserves its R, though. There wasn't an overabundant amount of gore in Lost Boys. No, dude. The way those vampires and, and bite it at the end. there wasn't an extremely... No, Paul. Well, I mean, but still, no, come on. Even, think, even no, that, Paul, think about that, man. No, look. The guy that melts apart in the in the bathtub and his blood and guts get sprayed all over the house. The one guy okay, that gets then, his I mean, head okay, blown up by the on, stereo. Like, right, come on. Touche. Touche. If we're going on sheer gore, then yeah. But, I mean, when it comes to language and other things that are done in the film, I feel like, to a point, maybe Monster Squad is really no worse than Lost Boys. Like, even, even Frank Deckard, he says, like, uh, he keeps bringing up the little rascals on the behind-the-scenes, inciting that as, like, what, an inspiration. Yeah, but the little rascals... But the little rascals one is, is the part that I don't really understand. It doesn't really fit in with all these yeah, I mean, other sources. Said, like, you know what I mean? Like... And even, okay, and even Abbott and Costello, even when you're talking about that one, like, if you watch Abbott and Costello meet whatever universal monster, 
I mean, those films are very light in tone. There is absolutely nothing in those films that is going to scare a kid. I don't know, maybe like a younger, younger kid. Maybe a kid under the age of five may get a <laughs> little bit of tear, but they'd probably just be bored out of their mind, to be honest with you. Again, like, I'll let me, let me preface all this with, I like that. Like, that's, that's what I really enjoyed about this movie. It doesn't always work, and the film's really quick, and it's... The plot is kind of all over the place, but that kind of crazy kookiness with these really young kids and just the subject matter of the film, I don't know. It it, it works for me. Yeah. But I can see it I mean, being some like problem the, uh, for some people, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I could do. Yeah, the first scene of the movie, we have Helsing coming in with, you know, a group, a group of guys, and they're trying to stop Dracula. I like that uh, Dracula bat transformation down in his crypt yeah i thought that was really good too man you know it, I, I actually it's simple really and, enjoyed that one. and it's nicely cleverly edited like how they hide everything and they just do it in some makeup inserts and i don't know i like it it's it's well done you know for like again a kid's film it's this is pretty edgy and i really like the way this the lighting in the set here looks like why would you have the whole helsing part if you're gonna have the text at the beginning of the film like you already knew that they blew it. <laughs> um, I, don't I mean, know. That's so what's a, the point? That's a good point. I don't know. J- just to show you it, see you know? what I'm saying? You know, you know, set you up and give you a little flavor. Um, but I mean, if you, okay, well, setting me up and giving me a flavor is giving me the fucking little bit of nibble that I get from my appetizer during the text in the beginning of the movie. Okay, hold up. Well, let's 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 talk a little bit here about this plot because this opening scene really doesn't make a lot of sense. No, it doesn't. So the whole idea is that there's this amulet that every hundred years, it's it's a good amulet. It's a for, it's a force for good, but every hundred years, bad guys yeah. can break it, and good guys can read some German thing that's written down in Van Helsing's diary. I don't know why <laughs> it's I don't know where it originally came from, but whatever, it's in Van Helsing's diary. That's all we know. All right. Yeah. So you read the German. A virgin has to read the the German incantation. And a vortex opens up, and that can suck all the evil into, I don't know, the ether? I don't know, some void. Limbo. Limbo. Oh, that's what they say in the movie. That's right, limbo. Uh, That's the plot of the film. So the beginning is Van Helsing, and he's coming to do this. And a vortex does open. He he gets a a virgin girl. And And the poor German girl, she couldn't manage to read the, the text fast enough. No, I, well, no, she read it fast enough, I guess. She got the vortex to open. Well, I, th- I was under the impression that you know everybody got sucked into the void because she kind of uffed it up. Well, see, this is why it doesn't make sense to me. It, to me, it seems like what she did was right because it's the same thing that happens at the end of the movie. And the way the Precisely. movie's cut, it's like Dracula was there. So why didn't he get exactly. sucked? Exactly. Yeah, why didn't he get sucked up in the vortex? And the like crazy you negate the you, like you basically negate the rest of the movie. In this whole sequence right here. Why don't we see Van Helsing go into the vortex? Because later in the movie, we know he does because he shows up again. Why don't we see it in the beginning? Like, we're, sh- we're having a flashback. And you don't, you don't even get that piece of information. So, like, what is the... You're 100% right, Paul. What is the point of this flashback? Not exactly. Doesn't make a lot of sense. A lot of plot holes. Whatever. It looks cool. Skeletons are coming out of the ground. Like... Van Helsing shows up with a whole army and Well, I mean, don't get me wrong, dude. Yeah, the the special effects in this It's awesome. And this it, it's it's it really is. It's cool as hell. You know, it has this real gothic appeal to it. Stan Winston's work here, um, doing like doing all the animatronic stuff here and the the puppets and the makeup, it looks great. Richard Edlund's stuff looks awesome. The guy that did uh, like Ghostbusters and Poltergeist and Alien Three, we've talked about him before on the show. Like he yep. did the vortex, man. That looks, uh, dude. All this stuff looks great. I love all of it. You know, I like I like the hammer feel. I love the gothic feel. You're talking about, yeah. I like this, even though it is a scene in the movie that really, it was kind of a waste of freaking money, and it has no place. It's still enjoyable. So the movie fast forward to present day introduces us to the Monster Squad members. I enjoy when movies do that. Do what? When they say present day. Why? I hate when movies. I hate because I have this OCD thing that like I hate when movies go from like the past and into a certain a like 
Like, well, wait a minute. Hold up, though. But you can totally tell this fucking movie is in the 80s, dude. I mean, wouldn't it be yeah, better if it came up know, and said, like, 1987? Wouldn't this movie already well, be again, way more believable? You could be like, look, this was an historic document of some past incident that I just didn't know about because the Monster Squad saved the fucking day. Okay, anyway. <laughs> there's no way this is present day right now. There's, there's no way this okay, is 2017. Yeah, true, true, true. True. Which okay. is, you know, Appreciate. as of the recording, is current present day. But yeah, so you meet the two kids, Sean and, and Patrick, and so the Sean kid's the leader. Um, I'm gonna be honest with you. I think this kid's a little shit. But what? Really? Yeah. Like looking at him as an adult. Like if that were my kid, I'd be like kind of a little shit. I can see it. But no, he, he seems like he's an alright kid. I mean, he he does save the world. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Well, other than that, you know, he's yeah, he does seem like an alright kid. And he's got the coolest treehouse that I've like ever seen in my life. There are a lot of cool treehouses. I'm in, in my mid thirties now, and I wish I had a treehouse like that. <laughs> It, I want to be like the cool Swiss Family hell, Robinson. <laughs> and what's up with those? Like, it's like in a swamp, too. It's like I really always thought they like boggled the hell out of my mind. Like, every time I've ever seen this movie, like, really bothered me. It's like, what do these people like live in the suburbs, right? Correct? We can agree on that. Yeah, no, they're definitely in the suburbs. Yeah. Well, what damn house in the suburbs do you know of that has a swamp in the backyard? They were just near the bayou. Yep. It happens all the time, bro. Sure, it does. His his best friend is the Patrick kid, who kind of really just follows him around uh, and makes smart ass little jokes. He doesn't really he doesn't really do a whole lot in the in the film. Yeah, other than yeah, that's what I'm saying. Other than like having the hot sister, that kid is useless. He t- I mean, <laughs> we find out later on. We find out later on. I mean, dude, she gets blackmailed easily. <laughs> the ki- that's right. The kids blackmail her. Oh my gosh. Oh, uh, Frankenstein takes Frankenstein takes naked we, pictures of this kid's sister, and then and the oldest member of the on. club blackmails her. Yeah, this kid doesn't only smoke, but he wears a leather jacket, and he bullies bullies. But then he also manages to get pictures of the other kid's naked sister and blackmails her. You know Julie, I mean? here I come. Yeah, juvenile hall. Let's get rid of Well, dude, let's just go ahead and talk about Rudy since we're already doing it, man. I mean, like, look, the guy The guy looks like the Fonz, dude. He's got the greased up hair. He's got the leather jacket, the earring. He's got a bicycle. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he doesn't have a lighter. He's got matches. And he strikes on, like this kid. on his loafers. Yes. I mean, like, the first impression you get of Rudy is... Like, this kid is straight up admirable. Like, fat kids getting messed with by this kid named EJ. Oh, hold up. Let, let's stop, just in case nobody's seen this movie. We're not calling this kid fat. They Don't call, call him... me fat kid. <laughs> Only my friends call me fat kid. Yeah, they call him fat you kid. call me Horace. Through the entire film. That's, that's just what his character's mm-hmm. name is. It's just like, oh, hey, fat kid. Like, I, I just think it was messed up, because the EJ kid come up, man. He was, like, bullying him. Made him throw his Snickers bar. Like, how pissed off would you be if somebody made you throw your Snickers bar on the on the ground and stepped on it? That that pissed me off, dude. Oh, that's all right, man. Rudy just came by and made him eat it. Well, that, I mean, that's the thing. Like, Rudy is cool. Dude, man. That was cool, though. See, that's the one thing. That's what I'm saying, man. That was that's what was admirable. Like from from your first impression of the Rudy character, that he was kind of like the older kid, but you know, he kind of stuck up for the underdog. I don't know, I man. It him is, it's such a weird scene, dude. Like watching it now, the whole the whole character of Rudy put together on the screen. I mean, this is a this is a yeah, product like a product Rudy, of its Rudy, time. Rudy I mean, like, I can't stress that yeah, enough. He really doesn't belong to anybody. He's kind of like a loner. The, this group of kids kind of like accept him in, and they they even don't even have a clue exactly what they're doing. Like, they don't even have an official name. They have a name for their club, but, it, like, nothing's official. Why in the world does Rudy even want to be in this fucking club? You know, I always wondered that. These people obviously live in the worst developed area in the freaking neighborhood. Because, once again, I didn't never get this. You got a swamp behind the house. But, yeah, this kid is straight up taking pictures of the next-door neighbor's daughter in the window. And it's like, what's up with this kid? Like, why don't you close your freaking curtains, child? 
I don't know. Did they actually? I don't think they had a swamp in near their house. Like the swamp was like at the was... as it was at the Dracula house. No, the swamp was at the tree house too. Nah, I'd have to go back and watch it. No, I don't. I don't remember seeing like an actual. But look, dude, it's Bayou Real Estate, bro. Yeah, which is cool. But I mean, you know, I don't like have a, aesthetic... I don't have a problem with the houses being next to a swamp. I feel like it's out of place. Do you really feel like it's out of place? I mean, people live like that. I really right? feel like it's out of place. I do. I do. I do. I really feel like it's out of place. So yeah, Sean, the leader of the Monster Squad, he has a little sister, Phoebe, cute little girl. Most of her scenes are with Frankenstein. Yeah, and I can see why. You know, once again, that was paying homage to Frankenstein. You know, with Frankenstein and the little girl. Oh, from the thirties with the yeah, Boris Karloff. The scene, dude, where Frankenstein comes up on Phoebe, that is almost an exact replica of the original scene in Frankenstein. You know, it it does build up to like you think things are going to go bad. I mean, Dracula earlier in the scene does tell Frankenstein to, you know, well, I guess Frankenstein's monster. He tells the monster, go out there and destroy and kill these kids and get my diary back. And the other, the other, the only other kid that we're missing from the monster squad is Eugene, the guy with the the little kid with the beagle who decides he wants to wear the Civil War hat. His first scene in the movie is, is one of the, it's probably one of the more famous scenes from the film. Okay, monsters. Ooh, look at that big, scary monster. Ooh. Listen, you are not going to sleep with your mother and me tonight, so you can forget it and keep this up, and you're not going to look at those monster magazines. Understand? It is weird, though. Like, it, go- it goes from that mummy scene straight into the meeting scene, and it's just like, wait, how did this little kid that... How old's Eugene? You think he's like what, twelve? No, no, he's not twelve. Yeah, he's like dude. like six. Eugene's seven. probably like six or seven. This kid like gets out of his house at and goes to a treehouse late at night with his friends. Well, I mean, come on, dude. After doing copious amounts of cocaine. It's just it's just it's just really weird. It does look you like gotta, you, there's a come down time. <laughs> That's what the dad's like. Look, uh, I got Coke and hookers in the next room. Um, you know, they charge by the hour, son, and you're eating into precious time right now. The parents are useless in this fucking movie. Seriously. <laughs> they are they are they are terrible, terrible parents. Like they are in most They really are. In most horror films. Like that's you know, if you if you're the adult, all you have to do is basically care from watching <laughs> horror films. You just have to basically care about your child and a mass murdering maniac will pro you'll probably be okay. They're probably not going to attack your kid. <laughs> kind of messed up that I say this, but I have even my kids where, you know, they were scared of something and I go in there and I'm like exhausted and I'm tired. I want to go to bed. And they're like scared for no reason, you know? And I'm like, look, there's nothing under your bed, child. There's nothing <laughs> under your bed at all. There's nothing in your closet. There's nothing in your room. Go to sleep. Except for you and me. Go to sleep. No, it's it's a totally, totally relatable experience. Absolutely. Meanwhile, Dracula's look Dracula's amassed like all these other character you know, classic monster characters. Well, okay, let's yeah, let's let's talk about our monsters here. Um yeah, Dracula's is kind of introduced really in the he's got his crypt scene in the beginning, but he's introduced and the airplane we sequence. We said damn, the the vampire transformation dude with the with the wing becoming like a hand and the, like the webbing kind of just shrinks. That's still cool as hell, dude. I, okay, so Dracula's trying to get trying to steal Frankenstein off this airplane. I don't know why Frankenstein's being flown on this airplane. Is he trying to steal Frankenstein off the airplane? Or yeah, that's like... what he does. That's totally what he does. He's, that's what he's there. And what he's been doing in the last hundred years, I don't know. He definitely wasn't building up an army before the movie started. He just shows up one day. I'm going to board this this plane. It's got Frankenstein's <laughs> corpse on it. And uh, I'm just going to scare the bejesus out of this one pilot. And Oh, but, yeah. man, dude, it is cool when the pilot, like, drops. He, he does the cargo drop and the coffin Go goes yeah, straight I mean, I down do. below, I really but like... Dracula just stays there, and he's hovering above the the cargo well, drop. Dude, hold on now, that's awesome. Hold dude. on, 
The bat transformation I almost is feel cool. Like, I almost feel like Dracula had himself shipped because there's one shot where it shows one of the boxes and the box is, the box is almost shaped like a coffin. I mean, that totally doesn't matter. It's not like we know. Dracula's just on this airplane. He disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who knows? This movie is going so fast. Who knows? The The film yeah. has no time to answer those questions and get the story it wants to tell in. It's impossible. Yeah. It, like, literally, we, we saw Dracula in that opening sequence, and now here we are 100 years later. Who knows what he's been up to? Who knows where he's been? All that backstory, we have no time for that. There's nothing. He obviously hasn't been doing very much. I I really, really like the werewolf. Like, I have to say, out of all the characters in there, you know, in this movie, they kind of made Frankenstein and Dracula the two more prominent characters. And I, But I feel like the wolfman, like, I feel like the guy that was playing the, the wolfman in human form. Oh, John, very, very John Grease? He was a wolf, uh, a wolf man in uh, Fright Night Part Two. He also played a werewolf yeah, in that as well. Yeah, he was. I I really like this guy, man. He's he's a really good actor. He really did a good job, and throughout all the scenes where he was fighting with the police and everything else, I mean, hell, he gets blown apart and still comes back together. Dude, that's probably the coolest thing about the Monster Squad. That is the thing that stuck with me. More than anything else throughout the in, in the entire movie. That just lit my imagination on fire. Like, oh my god, they just blew up a fucking werewolf with a stick of dynamite. You know, like, that just happened. And then seeing him come back together and like, no, it really doesn't matter. It has to be a silver bullet. That's a thing with Rudy and his initiation earlier where they, you know, they give him the test. Yeah. That scene has always stuck with me, man. I love that. That's It's one of those crazy, kooky things that makes this movie... If it's not special... You at least remember this a, a couple of these moments throughout the film. We have the mummy next, which I mean, I was kind of a little bit bummed out about that, man, because I really did enjoy the the special effects on the mummy. I just feel like the mummy, along with the Wolfman, didn't get the screen time that they actually deserve. Man, yeah, he doesn't even make it to the uh, the final battle, dude. He gets he gets taken out really quick. Yeah, he does. The leader of the Monster Squad, Sean, his uh, his dad's a cop. His cop dad shows up at uh, some crime scene and some ancient mummies disappeared. And, you know, so you know that now. And you see a shot of him. You see another shot of him. And then it's the scene where he dies. And that's kind of it. That's pretty much it for the mummy. That kind of bummed me out a little bit. But the design is cool. I, I like I'll it. agree with you on that. And then you have the Gill Man. Creature from the Black Lagoon. The actor that was playing the character... Uh, apparently he had like a real big problem. Well, he actually wasn't an actor. Being able to see. That was, that. that's actually Tom Woodruff Jr. He had an effects company with Alec Gillis. He was the guy in the suit for Alien 3 and Alien 4. He did all that stuff. Yep. And this was actually his first suit gig. Yep, it sure was. And apparently he had quite a, quite a bit of visual problems. The other, the other, Two members of the Monster Squad that we kind of like. I guess they're unofficial members of the Monster Squad, but that would be Frankenstein and Scary German Guy. Oh, Scary German Guy is definitely a member of the Monster Squad. Man, dude, uh, I know that guy from V, the miniseries. Again, I think he was like playing a very similar note as they do in in Monster Squad where he was a, a Holocaust survivor. V is actually making a very, I don't know if you, if anybody cares to watch or even knows of V, the miniseries. I'm not talking about the one from 2000, but the one from the 80s. The original. Yeah, with Mark Singer. That's a nice Mm -hmm. little allegory for like World War II and the Holocaust, um, but with aliens and a sci-fi atmosphere. The actor, uh, Leonardo Camino, he's also playing a very similar uh, role here in Monster Squad, Although it's literally just done in a shot, but I mean they mo- they mostly just call him scary German guy. But after a confrontation yeah. with the boys, <laughs> well, I guess not a confrontation, but after their first meeting, he shuts the door. Before he shuts the door, he has this line about vampires, and he's like, you know, you guys probably thought I was a vampire, but you see this mirror behind me. I have a reflection. 
you know, so I can't be a vampire. And the boys are like, oh, yeah, you know a lot about monsters. And as he's shutting the door, he's like, yes, I suppose I do. All of the camera angles before are outside of the house. And this cuts to inside the house as he's shutting the door. And you see his hand, yep. and you see the concentration camp number uh, tattooed on his arm. Uh, it's a weird moment, man. I mean, well, what do you think of that, Paul? It's kind of an interesting moment of the film, but at the same time, it's 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 almost a sombering moment. At first, I maybe thought it was a little out of place in context of what the conversation is. It kind of does make it does make total sense. It does take me out of the film just a little bit. I will say that because the film is so lighthearted. It's so adventure action comedy. Then all of a sudden it's like, oh, shit, here is a real world moment. It's kind of serious, a little depressing. Um, I must have a lot of fun. And we were doing shit with monsters with kids smoking cigarettes and school property. Like what what happened to that? But at the same time, I will say, I don't even know if I want to admit this. This sounds terrible in, in hindsight. But, like, dude, Monster Squad, like, I, lo- I looked up what that was about. Like, I remember, I didn't look it up. I talked to my dad about that on the drive home. And that was the first time I ever found out about concentration camps. Yeah. Now, granted, my dad gave me, like, a little kitty version. But, yeah. that you know, that was, the f- that, was, that was the first time I was exploring that idea. So... Props to Fred Deckard for having the balls to put that in here and having dialogue get started. But it does kind of take me out of the movie, too. <laughs> yeah, it does take a different, definitely a different tone. That's all the players of the film. But the actual plot of the movie... So we gave you the whole amulet, the very good amulet. Uh, bad guys want to destroy it. Good guys want to read to it. Make a vortex. Somehow, Sean, the lead character of the Monster Squad... His mom just picks up Van Helsing's diary with this incantation at a garage sale. Again, like there's not a lot of attention played, uh, paid to the plot. Yeah, pretty pretty much damn straightforward, right in your face. You know that brings in you know creepy German guy, kind of like gives them the skinny on what's going on. He's able to read German because he is German, and they find out it's Van Helsing's diary and. It actually has these spells and incantations. And meanwhile, you got you got Dracula looking for this amulet. And he finds it in... With the Wolfman. This house. Yeah, him and the Wolfman are like uh, blasting dynamite in the basement of this house. And they find it in a room. Uh, the production design is really good. I like the production design in this house. Because, I mean, like, long yeah, story short, the, the Monster Squad, they eventually, like, make it to the house. And then it's a cool scene. Like the, Dracula has has like three vampire brides at this point in the house, and the Wolfman's there. Yeah, he just magically magically made appear from no fucking where. There's a scene earlier where he's he's says something about like getting a midnight snack, and he's like he has a closet like filled of three random women that he like you know. Picked yeah, up. yeah. Well, I, yeah, I know that. But then there's also a deleted scene that. That where there's a news report of three local girls going missing, which yeah. would have made more sense to put that in the movie. And once again, this is a point in this movie where the scene should have been put in and the beginning scene should have been cut short or taken out. I know, dude. I, th- I, don't, I don't think that one's so bad. Like, I think once he opens the door, you can make the logic leap. Yeah, I know, but still. I don't know. I mean, like this again, man. This movie doesn't have time for it. So super fast. Everything's fast paced. Go, 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 go. Yeah, it's definitely a fast paced movie. And I, you know, I like the sequence. Uh, you, you get Wolfman has Nards in this scene. Probably the most famous line in the entire film. Iconic line. <laughs> yeah, the uh, most iconic line from the movie. <laughs> end up you know taking the amulet away and then they know that they're gonna have to prepare for a kind of final battle and then dracula dracula this is what i don't understand 
Dracula just decides to go and pull the biggest douche move ever. You took the amulet from me, so I'm going to blow up your awesome ass treehouse with with dynamite. Yeah, why is Dracula just going around throwing dynamite at the end of this film? Like, he is just well, why the hell blowing Dr- everything Why up. the hell does Dracula have dynamite? Why does he have dynamite to start with? Well, uh, to get the amulet. He's, like, blowing... He's like, yeah, I like to hear the sound of explosions, so I'm now just gonna, I'm just going to utilize it as much as I can. But, uh, yeah, I don't know why he starts, like, he's Dracula. Like, he can do all this magical, awesome, superpower stuff, and he's like, oh, you know, I'm just going to throw, just going to throw some dynamite. I'm just going to be lazy. I'm just, and the laziest Dracula ever, and attack a treehouse with dynamite, and then blow up the kid's dad's partner in his car. Oh, dude, the partner dying. Uh, that that kind of hurt me a little bit, dude. His his jokes and uh, <laughs> that guy was great, man. It was like that guy was in a different movie. It, I it, he almost feels like the audience of like somebody older. It's just like, oh, come on, this is ridiculous, and he's just cracking wise. It's so fun. Yeah. But, then he gets to a point where he's like, okay, I'm not I'm not laughing anymore. Kind of sorry he got blown up in the car with dynamite. Good old Stan Sean, man. Like uh, a movie that I think he played more of an iconic, one of his more iconic roles was uh, Fried Green Tomatoes. Yeah, he pl- he played the 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 guy who cooked up all the barbecue and stuff in that movie. Yeah, cool. That's totally on point. What our audience wants to hear about fried Fried Green Tomatoes. I clicked on Monster Squad. Hey, give me some Fried Green Tomatoes. Uh, you gonna get a little bit. You gonna get a little bit. <laughs> hey, how about this, you listeners? Y'all gonna get a little bit of fried green tomatoes. God damn it! <laughs> with your monster eyes. squad, along with your Goonies and your Lost Boys. Uh, damn millennials! <laughs> Pretty much as you know, the the dad goes into the house after this, and he's all freaking out, and he gets on this walkie-talkie with his kid, Sean. Everybody's like meeting at the town square, and you know it's almost like, yeah, the final confrontation. The third act starts now, and and it's very short. Like (laughs) the third act is extremely short. It is, but man, you know they 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 pack it in. The thing that always hated Dracula's brides get taken out right away, and they show three in a wide shot, and Rudy only ever kills two. And who knows what happens to the third one. And that has bothered she, me forever. She got scared. She got scared and she ran away. But I will say this is the moment you know that Rudy's a badass. Because they they all they get the amulet to this town square. They they try to get Patrick's sister, uh, who she says she's a virgin. Because they need a virgin to read. And she lies. <laughs> To read, yeah, exactly. <laughs> to read the German she incantation, <laughs> and it's like, oh, she's got that great thing. But it's like, no, but I did it with Steve, but that doesn't count. <laughs> now, how I in the absolute that. hell? How does that not count? Oh, dude, I love that. That is that is so like great. But you know what I mean? Like it's perfect. Like teenage. If you bump your ugly logic, I love yeah. that. Yeah, but if you bumped your uglies with somebody else, then why would you even lie about this? I mean, I know you were being blackmailed. Why didn't you just say, I gave the booty to Stan, and I'm sorry, I can't can't help you guys. So Phoebe ends up reading the incantation at the end, and... um... Phoebe ends up saving the damn day, because Phoebe is the hero of this movie. Well, I, I love that. At the beginning of the film, the virgin is, I mean, she looks like she's an older teenager, like 17, 18, maybe even 19. Shit, she looks kind of hot, too. You know, here we are in the 80s, you know, 1987, aka the present, and now we have to get, like, this little five-year-old girl. You know, it, it's, yeah. I don't know, it's kind of funny. Um, yeah, I do kind of like the fact that that Phoebe ends up saving the day, though. Almost the 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 irony, because they didn't even want her to be in the Monster Squad to start with, and she ends up saving the day. I, will I do s- think it's a little bit 
a little sad, you know, when when Frankenstein kind of gets sucked into the vortex. Dude, you know what's so messed up? I just like the difference between my son and I. Like when Frankenstein gets sucked up in the vortex, like you know, because the little girl says the incantation, the vortex opens, all the bad guys go away, but then Frankenstein goes away at the end. <laughs> my oldest, my son, who's is eight, he cried at that at that moment. But dude, I remember when I saw this in the theater, I cried when the Gill Man died. I thought wow, that, dude! I, you, I thought you just I, totally missed the whole point of this shit. Man. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I thought that was. Ad, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not really into Frankenstein. Frankenstein's kind of a doo doo monster, creature from the Black Lagoon. You know, that's not really his fault, man. He's just an animal. It's just like a fish. <laughs> it's like killing a fish. <laughs> Why would you kill a fish? Uh, you know, yeah. perspectives change, but um. Yeah, I I remember like <laughs> literally being upset when when Horace shoots the the Gill Man, just being like, "Oh my God, no!" It, it was a little terrifying too. Like when he shoots him with like this huge ass shotgun, there's like a giant hole in his chest with blood coming out afterwards. Yeah, it is. like I thought the Gill Man would take a little bit more than that to go down too. Yeah, I kind of did too. I was a little disappointed by that. Yeah, no kidding, right? But still, like, wow. Wow, I don't even know what to say about that, dude. Like, you were more upset about the Gilman dying than you were about Frankenstein getting sucked into the void. Uh, and uh, I, I do like uh, Rudy finally killing the Wolfman at the end um, with yeah. the silver bullet. That That's that's nicely done. I mean, like, I, all these I cops. Like all like, this stuff. See, once again, that proves Rudy's the, uh, Rudy's the ultimate badass in this movie, next to Phoebe. Oh yeah, Rudy does more in this film than any character, hands down, hands down. Like the Monster Squad were like the mafia. Sean would bring Sean would be like the Dawn, and Rudy would be like the Hand, and Phoebe would be the Savior. I do like this in though, man. I mean, I, I I hear what you're saying. Like Sean doesn't do a lot, but and once again, that's another thing. Is like the dad is like sitting there hugging the dad and the mom are hugging Sean at the end. It's like, what the hell about Phoebe? No, I mean, look, it, it, Sean does bring everyone together. Like even scary German guy, like he's coming together at this end with yeah. There's a lot of good comedy with uh, him and Phoebe at the end reciting this stuff. Um, in the middle yeah. of this battle, that's pretty exciting, you know. And there's even like okay, there's that one like fucking horrible like uh, bat. Uh, transformation that's a little it's kind of terrifying man like it's the only part of the film i remember seeing as a kid that was was a little like it's kind of it's kind of off-putting but it, it's when dracula comes in and they they shoot him and everything and he goes through a window and then yeah. the, it's, it's it's right before they blow up the wolf man sean's dad goes up the like i don't know it's some random warehouse that goes up into the top of the building yeah, yeah. He, he goes up to some random warehouse i don't know what the fuck it is with some boxes and you see Dracula and he's like, he's got these, I don't know. He's like half mutated, half transformed. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I'm like, ah, I didn't really get that. It's like the kid, Sean's dad, like found out Dracula's dynamite supply warehouse or something. Everybody, everybody just has dynamite at the end of the movie. Like it just, it all bets are off. Just dynamite everywhere. Yeah. It's just like, it's just like the last day of shooting. They were just like, Hey, Everybody, we're just going to give dynamite to everyone, and we want you guys to be really safe and have a good time. I don't know. I do like this stuff. I like the visual effects. Um, even when the vortex shows up and sucks everybody away, like, yeah, you can see some wires and some shots, but, man, I'm okay with it. Like, It still looks good this for the time. Got, yeah, this movie's got a, a lot of good energy. I guess we talked about a lot of the deaths. Did we talk about like how actually like Rudy took the mummy out with like sticking it to the end of the? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. They were they were riding on the jeep in this like chase arrow? sequence, and Rudy kind of stuck it to the stuck the mummy's claw to the head of an arrow and shot it into a tree, and it kind of just like unwound the mummy. Yeah, he completely unraveled. The, yeah, there was nothing but a skull on the road, and it's like wow. The mummy kind of got done in really quick. I mean, that's the Monster Squad. Paul, final thoughts, bro. Monster Squad is a is a really awesome movie. It brings back it brings back a lot of nostalgia from from being a kid. 
it, it's a fun movie. It's a, still an enjoyable movie to watch, and I and I still you know think that it's it's just an amazing fun movie that has monsters, but yet doesn't take them too seriously at the same time when they do it. I really enjoy this film. This is, it is a really good movie. I find it entertaining. Things that I find that work that don't work in other films work in this one. I don't really know know why. I think it's just the pace and the fun and the, really the passion, the filmmakers and everybody involved, you know, have. You know, even Rudy's line where it's like. I'm in the goddamn club, aren't I? Where you going, Rudy? I'm in the goddamn club, aren't I? I have a lot of nostalgic love for this film, and is this film as good as something like Lost Boys? No, I don't. I don't think it is. I would not recommend it anywhere near the Lost Boys. I think the Lost Boys it has a lot more qualities, subtle and. Even the things that it does more over the top, I think it does better. Yes, it's like if if you're a fan of of the Universal Monster movies, you absolutely have to watch this because you will enjoy it. You will enjoy seeing an 80s version of Abbott and Costello because at the end of the day, that's what this is with little kids, you know, with the, the little rascals like Fred Deckard wanted. If that's what Fred Deckard wanted, that's exactly what he got. You know, it's a shame we didn't get another Fred Decker film, man. That's that's kind of a shame. All right, guys, so I guess that's going to do it for us tonight. Um, you've been listening to the Movie Crew Podcast. If you guys want to get in touch with us, our email address is themoviecrew at gmail.com. That's themoviecrew, and crew is spelled C-R-E-W-E, extra E at the end, at gmail.com. We're on Facebook and Twitter, at moviecrewpod. It's and we spell crew normal that way. That's movie crew pod spelled normally on Facebook and Twitter. And if you guys would please rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you guys listen to your podcast, we would surely appreciate that. Paul, where can people follow you, sir? People can follow me at Paul R. Williams J one on Twitter. All right, look, um, guys, we have not decided beforehand what track we're going to play at the end here. Uh, Paul, what are you thinking, man? There's yeah. there's a lot to pick from. Should we go Monster Squad rap, or should we go... Rock till you drop. You know, that... How do we how do we go through the whole podcast, and we talked about all this other crap, and we didn't talk about that 80s montage sequence? I do not know. I don't know either because that is an amazing 80s montage sequence. I mean, I guess we do have to play Rock Till You Drop. Yeah, we have to totally play it now since we didn't have to talk about that montage scene. We just do an 80s montage out of here. You guys can just picture us like wrapping up our gear. We're just like hitting buttons, taking our headphones off, and it's like Rock Until You Drop. All right, guys, so this is Rock Till You Drop, performed by Michael Sembello. This is from the Monster Squad soundtrack. Enjoy!
Oh, <laughs> 